I think I'm a little stressed after that. <laughs> I think I need some breathing room. If you, if you happen to serve in the areas of our children or youth, would you please stand just for a second, please? If you volunteer, serve in any type of a way with children or youth in any form on Wednesday nights or Sunday mornings, would you stand just for a second, please? Come on now, stand. Don't be embarrassed. Would you tell them we appreciate them? You are valuable to what takes place here, and we're very thankful for you and for you using the talents and gifts that you have to serve the Lord. Um, we appreciate you. Um, I don't know about Michael's test up front, whether or not. We're going to send him to Liars Anonymous, by the way, just so you know. <clears throat> Lord, how mercy helped me, Jesus. Uh, baby back ribs for Connect. I think I'm going to come be a part of that. Yeah, I think I like that. And so uh, anyway, listen, I want you to do this for me. If you've not yet uh, signed up for the fall festival, Drew, can you guys throw that slide back up there? Because it's time to get signed up. Listen, let me tell you what happens that day. We don't meet here at the church house on Sunday morning on the 22nd. What we do that afternoon is we gather as a church family out at Pat Thomas. We've done it for years out at Cottom's Farms. It's been awesome. You've outgrown that. It's time for us to, to look at some other areas that maybe we, we may have given, can, uh, can spread out a little bit more. So this is your opportunity to come. We don't really advertise this on the outside. This is sort of an inside. This is like a, what we call a third place event. This is an opportunity for you to invite your friends, other people you know that may not be involved, don't go to church anyplace, but you're looking for a place that you can invite them to come that's non-threatening. This is it. This is why we do this. This is very intentional. We've done it for years. October the 22nd, make sure you sign up. There's an opportunity for you to bring some things, participate. Just let us know, but I want to make sure that you guys get signed up for that. Is that an agreement? Can we do that? <laughs> that's not going to work. Let's try that one more time. Can we all agree that that's important? We're going to do it? All right, y'all are so weak today. I know it's raining outside, but you're going to have to catch up with me. Good gracious of life. How many of us might say or might think this, there's just not enough hours in the day to get the things done that I need to get done? Anybody like that? I see some people raising hands. I see Bert's over there like going, yep, yep, that's me. Um, some people say, well, you know, I don't have an option. Other people might say it's just a season in life, which I understand that. But there's just some people that just accept the chaos and the confusion as if, if it's just part of life. It's the norm. But let me say this right here. If you live on the edge for, for too long, if you live without extra space and without breathing room, at some point in time, it's going to take, your, take its toll. Isn't that right, Jordan? Yes, sir. Absolutely. So you see, now Jordan's on, he's on, we're on the same page today. He's looking at me. He's got his notes out. He's ready to take notes. But hear what I'm telling you. I mean, you might be able to, to go with it for a period of time, but it, if you do it, at some point in time, it's going to take its toll. You're either going to become discouraged or you'll be destroyed. It's just the way it is. And I know that there are some of us in life that are better equipped to handle the stress and the, and the, uh, and the lack of space than other people. But eventually, it's going to catch up with you. Um, because every one of us have a breaking point, Derek. I mean, you experienced this the other day. I mean, you spent several days in the hospital, didn't you? Yeah, for whatever the reason. It could say health. It could be stress. I don't know what it was. But for whatever the reason, God said, it's time for you to take a little bit of a break. And so you didn't take a break. So God said, I'm going to help you take a break. So he, and now you have your own little suite up there at Leesburg Regional <laughs> Hospital. 
If you travel too close to the edge for any, for any extended period of time, it will eventually take its toll mentally, physically, emotionally, and spiritually. And there are consequences, not just from those areas, but what about unnecessary stress? Anybody have any unnecessary stress in your life? I was talking to somebody the other day. They were telling me about things that they were walking through and about health issues they were experiencing, and they attributed it to things that were going on at work. It doesn't take long for the tensions to begin to rise when things don't go as planned or when things aren't scheduled and there's these delays and interruptions. You know what I'm talking about. It's like when I'm on my way to a meeting and all of a sudden I get a phone call and I can't just talk to them when I'm in the car. I've got to sit down and I've got to have a conversation because something important is taking place which is going to throw me behind. Or I have somebody walk in the door at the last minute saying, Pastor Sid, can I talk to you just for a second? And yet it's going to throw me behind and it's the stress of the moment. What do I do? People are important. What about those of us that may live on the edge financially? I mean, you're okay. I mean, you're making it day to day. Day by day, you're making it until that unexpected bill comes in and then all of a sudden. Or what about the irritability that comes as a result of the stress and the lack of space or the relational Chaos. I would dare say that many of the conflicts that, Mer and by the way, Meredith and I have conflicts, okay, from time to Now, they're not, I don't say they are every day and they're not all the time, right, baby? We have conflicts sometimes. Isn't that right? Yeah. So I'm not a perfect pastor. We have some conflicts in our house. Meredith's always right. I'm always wrong. <laughs> but I would dare say that some of the relational conflicts, the chaos that we may experience is because we've extended ourselves in some type of a way. Maybe it's our time. Maybe it's what we've got going on. I don't know. But then there's just not the relational chaos. There's also the anxiety that goes on. It's another consequence because of the lack of space that we have. But I think it's safe to say that the happiness that all of us desire isn't, isn't, isn't when we get a bigger house or, or maybe we, we drive a, a more expensive car or a faster car. But happiness in life can be determined by the measured by the health of our friendships, the quality of our relationships. But they'll suffer when we don't have enough space, when we don't have breathing room. Don't you just love it when you look up at the clock at 1230, Troy, and he and I have had this conversation before. It's 1230 and you've not even thought about lunch. You know what I'm saying? There's a problem there, isn't there? And we can use the excuse that it's just a season in life. My job requires it of me, and I, I get that. But maybe there's something else that's going on behind the scene that's driving the decision-making. Maybe there's something a little bit more that's going on behind the scene that's driving our decisions, especially as it relates to our time and our finances and relationships. But not only those, but other areas of life. So I want you to do this for me. Will you do this? Will you write down the word fear? We've been singing about that. Fear. Write down the word fear. And while you're writing that down, you can turn over to the Old Testament in the book of Exodus. Genesis, Exodus, Exodus chapter 20, verse 8. We're going to be there in just a second. But how many of us have put a date on the calendar that we didn't necessarily want to participate in, but we put it there because we were afraid of what others might think or what would happen if we didn't show up? Are you with me? How many of us have done that? 
I mean, how many kids, how many of us have signed our kids up for a sports league or some type of an extracurricular activity? How many times have we said yes, not because it was the right thing to do, but it was the popular thing to do. And we were afraid that if our kids didn't participate, we might bear the brunt. Our kids may not excel at life or they may just miss out or my kids might hate me if I don't. You, maybe you've been there. There's all kinds of scenarios but the point is how many of us make decisions not driven by what's right, by, but driven by fear. They're manipulated by fear. One of those fears we talked about a few weeks ago, FOMO, fear of missing out. Maybe you know, fear of missing out. Maybe you're single and you don't want to be single anymore, so you will compromise what you believe outside of fear. Or maybe you don't want to be left out of a specific friend group, or you don't want your kids to be left out because of fear. And as a response, you do whatever it may be. Just think about how many choices we make out of the fear of missing out. But what about, not just that, what about the fear of falling behind, F-O-F-B? Let's make up our own words this morning. See, the teenagers can do that, fob. I guess. I guess that's what we can call it. The fear of falling behind. How many of us are fear, fearful of falling behind because we, we've got this dream, we've got to keep up with whoever it may be, friends or neighbors, and as a result, we're willing to, to leverage the bank with money we don't have, trying to buy something we don't even need to impress people that we don't even like, or maybe they don't like us. But how oftentimes do we do that? Um, you know the drill. The coworker gets the latest upgrade on the iPhone, so you have to go get it. Does that ring a bell for this past week? What about this one? <laughs> the fear of not mattering. Positions, power, possessions, I know that that's not anything that you ever think about. In this culture, it might be the subdivision that you live in, the number of friends that you have on social media. It might be the number of keys that you have on your key ring. As a kid, I used to think my dad was really important because he had all these keys on all these key rings. My dad is important, but it wasn't because of the number of keys that he had on his key rings. And I've learned that. See, because I've realized that the more keys that you have, the more locks you have to unlock, Right? I don't want any keys. Brian can have all the keys. Just make sure you're here to let me in. There's a lot of things in life that can be replaced. But let me just say this right here. Because of the fears that we oftentimes experience, what they do is they have the potential to suck the life out of us and rob us from what matters the most. Like I said, there's a lot of things in life that can be replaced I mean, if you lose your job, you can get another job. Don't tell me you can't find a job. There are jobs all over the place. Now, it may, may not be the specific job that you want, but there are jobs that are just littered across our nation these days with people that are looking for good employees. Amen? They're all over the place. It may not provide for you the way that you want it to provide, but listen, you be faithful in the small things, and God will make you rulers of them much. There's a lot of things that can be replaced, but time is one of those things we can't necessarily make more of because once it's gone, so are its opportunities. That's why it's called the present, because it is. It's a present. Our time is a present from God. I remember one specific time when we thinking about time and thinking about replacing time or the things that, times that we've said, I wish I had more time. Have you ever said that before? I wish I had more time. One specific time in our life, I remember Meredith made the comment, I, I, I thought we had more time. And it was the time when Abby was getting ready to, to graduate. And we had a lot of stuff going on at that time because Abby was not only graduating, she was getting married. And I remember 
Meredith over tears at one point saying, I thought we had more time. I, th- I thought we had more time. This has gone way too fast. I thought we had more time. But it's easy to miss out if, if we aren't careful, isn't it? It's easy to miss out. See, there are some of you that are young parents right now that are making some really important decisions in your life. Are those decisions being driven by fear or are they being driven by what's right? Is it being driven by what the culture says is right or is it be, being driven by what God's word said is, is right? I think at the top of the list of all the fears has to be the fear of failure. Because as I look back on life and I think about some of the decisions that I've made, there's a lot of decisions that I've made in life, not because of what it was right, but out of fear of failing. Can I hear an amen? I've made a lot of decisions in life out of fear of failure and maybe what other people thought of me. And then I sit down one time and I had a conversation with God. I'll always remember I'll always remember that time because it was a life-changing time for me because I was able to trace those fears back to one thing. You know what it was? An issue of pride. You know what the Bible says about what happens, what precludes pride or what comes after pride is what? The fall. The fall. I wish I could tell you that we've got great kids because of the decisions that I've made and the decisions that Meredith made, but it's only by God's grace. Every one of us are a step away from stupid. We say that all the time. Amen. <laughs> Pat, some of us are closer than others. But I go back and I look and, and I have to say it's only by God's grace because there were a lot of times that I was doing other things that probably weren't as important as that which was most important. There were a lot of tensions that we faced in the home because we didn't have a lot of breathing room, because we didn't have a lot of space, because we didn't have a lot of extra time. And it wasn't because we were doing what was right, it was because we had put it off a awful lot of extra weight and tension on our lives for whatever the reason. And I want you to know, guys, that God's word isn't silent on this issue, but there's some things that it has to say. And over the next several weeks, we want to look at that. As a matter of fact, we're going to look at it today in just a minute. But there's an opening conversation. There's this ongoing conversation that God has with the children of Israel in the Old Testament. We're going to take a look at it in just a second. And then after we leave the Old Testament and move in the New Testament, there's Jesus who addresses the subject of the contrast between fear and faith. And we're going to see that in just a second. But one thing I want you to take note of is this right here. If we don't have time to do what's most important, then more than likely there's an issue, there's a tension that's taking place that has to deal with the faith that we say that we have. You understand? If we, don't, if we don't have the time in our life to do what's most important, more than likely there's an underlying factor, and that factor might be that our faith, there's an issue going on with our faith, that which we say that we believe. And I not only say that because of what I read in the Bible, but because of the conversations I've had with tons of people over the years. Not only that, but my own personal experience. So back in the Old Testament, back in the Old Testament, the Israelites had been enslaved for 400 years, and it was during that time 
that the only thing that they would have known would have been slavery. They didn't see themselves as individuals, but they saw themselves as property that lived under the control of Egypt and under the control of a man by the name of Pharaoh. And they were whatever that, whatever that Pharaoh wanted, that's exactly what they did. If you know the story God called out, he prepared and equipped a man by the name of Moses that would lead them out of Egypt. And he would lead them toward the promised land or Canaan before they would reach the promised land. God would, would set them down and he would give them some commandments to live by. And he did so because up until that time, the only thing that the Israelite people knew, the Jews knew, was what Pharaoh had told them to do. They didn't know anything else. But because of God's love for the Israelites and because of his love for the people, what he did is he gave them some commandments. He gave them some commandments so that they would not only know to come to know him and have a relationship with God himself, but they would learn how to live in relationship with one another in community. And there were 10 commandments to begin with. Maybe you know them, maybe you don't. But there was one, in spe- there was one specifically in those, in those first 10 commandments that it was a decision by the designer to create more breathing room. I you to look over with me at that passage in the book of Exodus, Exodus chapter 20, verse 8. And it had to specifically do with the Sabbath. And this is, this is, this is what it records for us there. Moses recorded, says, remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. You have six days each week for ordinary work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. Now you read that and go, well, that's not that big a deal. It's not that big a deal to you because rest is a part of your culture. You say, no, it's not. Yes, it is. I mean, you got to remember who he's talking to. You got to remember who the commandments were given to. And during that culture, there was no rest. You might complain about having to put in some extra hours, but the Israelites during that time, they would have said, rest? What in the world is rest? I don't know what rest is. Are you kidding me? See, if we don't work, we don't eat. Better yet, if we don't do what they tell us to do, we may lose our life. There wasn't any government assistance. There wasn't beyond the walls to help with food. They were slaves, and they did exactly what slaves were supposed to do. They did whatever their master told them. There was no HR department where there was no department of labor. There was nobody to fight on your defense. There was no an attorney to stand and represent you. Whatever the master said is exactly what would take place. And here's God saying to them, hey guys, listen, I want you to know that you're no longer slaves. I want you to know that I've rescued you and I've set you free. And now what I want you to do is I want you to learn to lean on me. I want you to learn to lean into me and I want you to learn to trust me. Instead of trusting Pharaoh, your earthly leader, what I want you to do is I want you to learn to trust me. See, I I know all the stuff that you think you have to do. I know everything that you think you have to have, but I want you to know that I can meet every need that you have. Every need. I know the pressure and the stress that you're feeling, but I need you to know more than anything That what you need is you need some space. You need some breathing room in your life. And if you'll trust me, if you'll give me your life, and if you'll obey me, if you'll follow me, I'll show you what it looks like. To which they had to think, you got to think, you must think we're crazy. We don't even have the time to take time. Don't you know what's on our plate? Don't you know what we have to get done? But here's the creator himself saying, I know what you need, and it's a Sabbath. 
And there's a reason for it. And then the questions. See the questions like the what ifs? What about the harvest then? What, what about the harvest? It's probably a similar question that Truett Cathy faced when he was writing out his business plan for Chick-fil-A. And he knew the expected, the projected expenses. But he also knew what society said. And he was here, he was, he's trying to figure out how to meet, make ends meet. And yet he heard God say, Truett, do you trust me? Do you trust me? Keep the Sabbath day holy. It was years later in the New Testament when Jesus enters the storyline. And at one point in the Gospel of Mark, Jesus is questioned about the Sabbath itself, which Jesus had to say this in Mark chapter 2, verse 27. The Sabbath was made to meet the needs of the people, not the people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. Or maybe you could say it this way, that people weren't created for the Sabbath, but the Sabbath was created for people. See, but the Sabbath day wasn't the only, the only, um, the only day of rest, by the, the decision by the designer to create more space and more breathing room. But God also created the tithe. The tithe, which leads to ask the question, does God need our money? Absolutely not. He didn't need your money. We're just stewards of what God has entrusted us. And some of you might say, well, it's my money. My money, I'm the one that worked for it. I'm the one that worked the extra hours. I'm the one that, that made that business deal. And there's nobody, nobody doubts that. But where in the world do you think that knowledge, strength, that intellect, and those abilities came from? It came from God. Romans chapter 11, verse 36 says that, is that Paul, Paul would tell the church that everything that we have comes from the Lord. See, God didn't set up the tithe because he wanted something from us, but he set up the tithe because he wanted something for us. We know if you've been in church, if you've grown up in church, if you've been around, you know what the tithe was set up for. It was set up to take care of the tabernacle, the Levites, and the poor. And it was a way for us to demonstrate our love for God and acknowledge that everything that we have comes from him. But it was also a way of us keeping our priorities straight. See, the designer made a decision because he knew us. And he gave us the, the tithe to help us create more space, more breathing room in our lives to teach us that not only when we follow God's plan, that we can learn to trust him when we obey him. Back in the Old Testament, back in the Old Testament, God was not only establishing, see, a relationship with the Jews, but he was also teaching them how to live in community with one another, how to love one another, how to take care of one another. Doesn't that sound like the church, what would eventually become the church? It's exactly what God was doing. Having said that, I want you to turn to the, to the book of Leviticus, that wonderful book of Leviticus in the Old Testament, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Leviticus chapter 19, and I want to read a passage of Scripture to you. See what, if this doesn't just stir your soul just a little bit. And this was God, what God was, was telling the people. Leviticus chapter 19, verse 9. And he said, when you harvest the crops from your land, do not harvest the grain along the edges of your field. Those of you that, that grew up on a farm or you have, have any idea of, of farming, you can, you can picture in your mind what he's talking about. When, the, when you harvest the crops from your field, don't harvest the grain along the edges of your field and don't pick up what the harvesters drop. So at harvest time, whatever you may have planted is time to harvest. Now you're harvesting. God gave them some specific instructions about leaving certain portions behind. But why in the world 
would he do that? I mean, wouldn't it make sense that at harvest time you get all you can get, Nate? It, I mean, doesn't it make sense that at harvest time that you fill your buckets till you can't fill them anymore? That's what makes sense, isn't it? I mean, come on, think about it. We just fill our buckets as much as we can fill them. But God said, don't do that. And look at what he goes on to say in verse 10. It's the same with your grape crop. Don't, do not strip every last bunch of grapes from the vines and do not pick up the grapes that fall on the ground. Leave them for the poor and the foreigners living among you. And so here he says, once you pick the grapes or anything else that you might, that you might be harvesting, he said, don't go back and pick up that which falls to the ground or the ones that you might miss, but leave it behind. Leave it behind so that others in need might come and be able to, to grab those resources. And he finishes up by saying this, I am the Lord your God. I am the Lord your God. Turn over with me to the book of Deuteronomy, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Turn over to the book of Deuteronomy with me just for a second. Deuteronomy chapter 24, 19. Let's continue on with this idea. Deuteronomy 24, 19, we read this. When you are harvesting your crops and you forget to bring in a, a bundle of grain from your field, don't go back and get it. Leave it for the foreigners, for the orphans, and for the widows. And then listen to how he ends this passage. Then the Lord your God will bless you in all that you do. It's great. In other words, the Lord is saying here, listen, if you, if you listen to me and if you obey me, what you'll end up learning is that you can trust me because I love you. I love you, and I not only want you to love me, but I want you to love other people. I want you to learn to live in community with other people. And as you live, I want you to live. And I want you to, as you live, I want you to learn to trust me. And in trusting me, you're going to establish some breathing room in your lives. But not only in your lives, when you live the way that I want you to live, you're going to help other people establish some breathing room in their lives as well. And God said, so pick your crops. But instead of picking it all, what I want you to do is I want you to leave some behind for others who might be in need and going through times of difficulty. And it's at that moment there's a tension. It's at that moment that we begin to sense attention. Um, as a friend of mine would say, when you sense that tension, you better check yourself. You, you better check yourself because when you begin to feel the squeeze, more than likely you're living on the edge with not enough breathing space, breathing room. And there might be fear that's driving your decision making. See, why would we not leave enough in the field? Because we're fearful of we may not have enough. Instead of trusting God, saying, if you follow me, if you obey me, not only will you learn to trust me, but you'll be able to live in community and other people will experience the breathing room that I've designed for you. Move over to the New Testament, to the book of Matthew. To the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 6, the gospel of Matthew. And this is Jesus, verse 31 32, he said, don't worry about these things, saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? Verse 32, these things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly Father already knows all of your needs. I want you to underline the word unbeliever there. Your translation may have pagan. 
Well, what it does is it refers to a person that doesn't know the Lord. It refers to somebody who doesn't, isn't a believer, a person that hasn't professed Christ, a person that doesn't trust the Lord and isn't following him. And Jesus is saying that here that it's the non-believer, the pagans who are consumed with worrying about stuff, what you eat, what you drink, what you wear. It's those things that dominate their, their thoughts. Yet how many of us as believers See, those are things we shouldn't be worried about. But Jesus is saying, how many of us are worried about things that the unbelievers worry about? How many times are we worrying about stuff that God's already said, I've got it taken care of? Why are you worrying about that kind of stuff? You're, what you're doing is you're living just like the pagans, those who say that they, they don't believe. But what if we not just profess Christ with our mouth? What, what, what if we live that actually as Jesus was Lord, what if, what if we live not just trying to please God, but what if we lived every day as if we trusted him? How many of us are living day by day trying to live to please the Lord, and yet we're missing out on living for Jesus and demonstrating the fact that we trust him? Are you with me? How many of us are living trying to please God in all that we're doing, and yet we're missing out on living as if we trusted him. What if our lives weren't consumed with worry? What if we weren't driven by to be in control? What if we trusted the one who was in control? What if we were willing to leave some stuff behind in the field just like God instructed us to do? What if we weren't manipulated by fear or the feelings of what other people might say? When we acknowledge that weakness, which is real. When we acknowledge that weakness and we learn to trust God instead of trying to dictate and control everything, we can gain some of that stuff that we all so much desire, that breathing room. But not only just the breathing room, there's something else. You know what it is? P-E-A-C-E. Peace, peace. Matthew six thirty three. It's what Jesus said. Maybe you have this memorized. Melvin was telling me that's my life verse. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and then all these things will be added. Seek the kingdom above all else, and live righteously, and He will give you everything that you need. Truth be told, every one of us are going to be driven by something. You're going to be driven by something, either the influence of fear or other people around us. We will continue to worry about stuff and being in control and we'll give in to the pressures and extend ourselves or we'll choose to trust God and to follow him, believing that he knows exactly what we need and when we need it. Don't be like the person that I talked to not long ago that was at the end of life. And they said to me, my life has been a life that's full of stress. And my life has been lived dominated by fear. I wish I could go back. I wish I could undo some of the things that I did. 
But let me say, when we choose to live that way, we'll miss out on that stuff which we so desperately desire. So here's the question. Here's the question today as Shane begins to play. Where's the tension? Where's the struggle? If you talk to Jesus and you're listening for the Holy Spirit's voice, it probably won't take long to hear what he's saying. But what if we believed that God not only loved us, but that he knew our needs and that he was capable of providing for us without compromising and going off the deep end? See, this is what I know. That the same God who rescued the Israelites and the same God who provided for them and the same God that loved the Israelites and the same God that protected them through everything that they went through is the same God that loves us. Amen? See, we can go back in the scriptures and we can see all the things that God has done. We have a written record of it for us. We don't have to worry. All we have to do is trust him. It's just trusting. And then that trust, there's some space that's created. And in that place of space, there's some extra breathing room that all of us desire to have, Steve. Would you pray with me today? Father, as we just finish up our time, it's very important for us to be reminded of the fact that you are God. And Lord, you're the same God that parted the waters. You're the same God that provided manna in the desert. And Lord, you can provide for us. Would you speak to us as we sing this last closing song? In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand to our feet and let's sing together this morning. The altar is open. If you're needing uh, maybe just some time to spend with the Lord, come down. It's nothing real special. It's just carpet, but there is something special about coming down before the family. Just saying, hey, I'm getting before the Lord right now in a posture of prayer. So the altar is open if you want to come. We'll sing together.
Turn the lights on so I can see people's eyes. Christianity isn't performing for God. Christianity is coming to know Him and not performing for Him, but learning that we can trust Him. We want to live for Him and we want to obey Him because we trust Him. And we trust in what He's did. See, our salvation doesn't have anything to do with what we do. It has to do with all what Jesus did on the cross. Amen? Amen. Listen, you can perform out and get tired and weary, and you lack space. You want to know maybe, maybe why some of your calendars are so full, and you're so extended, and you have no space? It's because you don't know Him. Because if you knew Him, there would be some things that you would, you'd be able to say no to. No. And it might even be a Bible study. Amen? It might be a, an extra thing on your calendar where you're trying to perform to live up so that God will love you more. Listen, there's nothing you could ever do that would make him love you any more or any less. He loves you, period. Amen? There's a lot of freedom in that. Can you breathe with that knowing that regardless that God loves you, that he gave his life, he sent his son to give his life, his life for you so that you could live in freedom. Robert, it's the freedom. You can breathe. I don't have to perform for him. I can live for him. And I can learn to trust him. And the more that I live for him, the more that I learn I can trust him. And in that place, we don't have to be in control because we realize who's in control. And today, if you don't know Jesus, it's the beginning. That's not the ending. You want some extra breathing space? You want some extra breathing room? That's the first decision. Is to say, Jesus, I recognize that it's not me that's in control. And I don't wanna, I don't wanna try to do all this stuff any longer because I'm tired. I gotta get off this, 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 this merry-go-round that I'm on. I need to learn to trust what you did and what you've done for me and to find freedom in that. Jesus, will you, will you forgive my sins today? Can I give my life to you and can I trust, begin to develop this trust in you that I wanna have? And man, if that's you today, right there where you are, you don't have to come to me, but right there where you are, you can just, you can just whisper the words to him, Jesus, save me. Save me, Jesus. I want to give my life to you. Save me. If that's you, it's the most important decision you'll ever make. I just don't want you to make the decision. I'd love for us to be able to walk alongside of you. So before you leave and walk out this room today, I want to pray that you'll come see myself or you'll see uh, somebody and say, I just want you to know today that that was a decision that I made. I want, I want more breathing room in my life. And what I, I want to begin by saying, I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to give everything that I have to him. I don't want to try to control it any longer, but Jesus, I want to trust you and in trusting you, I'm going to receive what you've given for me. So before you leave, man, would you come see me? I want to pray over you before you go today, but let me just say this. As you walk out the doors, you're walking back into that stuff that we saw up front, all that busyness of everything moving on, and you're going to go, oh. life doesn't have to be that way. Because of Jesus.
And see, God's sending you out to be a light to the world in the darkness so that others might come to know him. And sure, you can live in that stress for a period of time. I know people that go to church that live in that, have lived in it for years. But that activity doesn't save us. Jesus, Jesus saves us. Father, would you be with us as we leave? Thank you for the reading of your word today, for the incredible musicians that we have, for those that are part of making a Sunday morning to happen. Father, thank you for those who are working in the back with our children and loving on them and instructing them and teaching them about Jesus and his love. For the person that may be here today that said yes to Jesus, Lord, I pray that they will have the courage, the boldness, to come to me or another person this morning, maybe one of those with a green shirt, and just tell them this morning, I made a decision to follow Jesus. I pray we would understand and recognize the responsibility we have within this community as we live for you, as we learn to lean into you and to trust you, that our lives speak of that which we call faith. Because our faith isn't hidden, but it is exposed to the world because they will see how we live. They will see how we live. Do we really trust him? Or do we just claim to be a professing believer of Christ? Use us as your ambassadors to this world so that the world may come to know Jesus and experience the breathing room and the freedom that alone comes from him. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.